Hi, Eric Goldwine here from LTCCC's Nursing Home 411 podcast. On this episode, we'll be talking about transfers and discharges in nursing homes. The threat of transfer or discharge from a nursing home can be stressful and frightening to a resident and their family. For this reason, there are significant federal protections that limit the circumstances under which residents can be transferred or discharged from their facility. In the interview, we'll be joined by one of the leading experts in this area, Lindsay Heckler, a supervising attorney at the Center for Elder Law and Justice. We'll chat about transfers and discharges that are legal, transfers and discharges that are illegal, and what you, whether you're a family member or an ombudsman, can do to promote safe outcomes for residents. We also get into the role of ombudsman, payment discrimination, and a lot more. Here's our music by Silverman Sound Studios. I am here on Zoom with uh, Lindsay Heckler, the supervising attorney at the Center for Elder Law and Justice. Uh, she is also a certified ombudsman, legal liaison for the partnership between CELJ, that's the Center for Elder Law and Justice, it's the catchier name, and <laughs> New York State's Region 15 Long-Term Care Ombudsman Program. And she is a guru for all things New York long-term care legislation and an ultra-competitive hockey player. Lindsay, <laughs> welcome to the Nursing Home 411 podcast. Thank you for having me. Yeah, uh, yeah many, many roles for Lindsay, and we'll, we'll see if we can get to all of them. But we're going to focus today's discussion on transfer and, and discharge. And uh, we've, we've had a number of, of meetings and presentations and conferences with Lindsay where she's really focused on this. And uh, we, we saw Lindsay present at the New York State uh, Ombudsman Conference a few weeks ago. And there was a number you shared that uh, there were a total of 257 consults um, with, uh, with CELJ. And uh, between 2021 and 2022 over a year-long period, and more than two-thirds of them dealt with transfer and discharge issues. So can we start with uh, what do these these look like in a, a nursing home? What is a discharge and, a, and, and transfer in nursing home in a long-term care setting? Sure. So Transfer discharge, those they tend to be used interchangeably. Um, but the, the brief is a discharge is when a nursing home is uh, moving you out of the building and you're not coming back. Uh, a transfer is when there is an expectation you will return to the building. So for example, uh, the resident is going to a hospital for some treatments and then they get to return to their, their bed or another bed if their room has been filled. So transfer temporary, yes. discharge more permanent. Correct. Okay, we'll use the little T, T trick there, transfer yes. temporary. I'm uh, using that. Okay, uh, you're welcome to bar. You gotta cite us uh, each time. Yes. Now, what does a, we'll start with the good. What is a good uh, legal safe uh, transfer or discharge look like? 
Yeah, a, a good or legal uh, discharge is one that uh, the residents of first office is on board with. Um, there has been communication on what the residents goals for discharge um, are either on day one of admission or shortly after admission there. Um, there is a continued dialogue about what the residents needs are. Um, and uh, how those needs uh, upon discharge are going to be met in their new location. Um, it is always a good discharge when it is in alignment with the resident's wishes and uh, that individual does not um, go back to the nursing home or most often the hospital um, once they're discharged to the community in a short period of time. And let's, let's flip it around. What's a, a not so good uh, transfer or, or discharge look like? Yeah, uh, an inappropriate uh, discharge or transfer is one where um, it's quite frankly not resident initiated. It's not in accordance with their plan and goals. Um, it's where um, quite frankly, it's also not safe. So for example, if um, an individual still needs services and supports, but the proposed discharge location is to a hotel, for example, well, what needs does that individual have? That's not necessarily an appropriate location. How are they going to make their meals? How are they going to get to doctor's appointments, for example? And it's it's not always a, a hotel where they get discharged, uh, where, where the <laughs> possibility, there's a range of places where they can end up kind of in part depending on their financial situation, depending on their uh, caregivers or family supports, mm -hmm. or perhaps lack of caregiver or lack of family supports. Uh, what are what are kind of the yeah possibilities we've, of places? We've seen um, individuals discharged to another nursing home. We've seen folks discharged um, to shelters, someone else's home, like a family member or a friend. We've also seen um, individuals discharged out of state, in addition to lower levels of care, such as um, assisted living uh, facilities. Right. And what's the like, what are the drivers of of these inappropriate dis discharges? You mentioned uh, continued dialogue is a driver of the more positive outcomes, the more safer safe outcomes, whether that's a, an appropriate discharge or maybe the prevention of an inappropriate discharge, but uh, what are what are some of the, the drivers for when things go wrong? Uh, when things go wrong, it's um, often because there's obviously the lack of communication. Um, the nursing home we see in certain problematic facilities, they don't have enough um, uh, staff such as uh, social workers or other staff that are there whose job should be to help um, the residents um, move out of the nursing home if that's their wishes and it's appropriate. Um, we also see payer sources, unfortunately, as, as a big issue in, in various nursing homes. Um, so for example, in New York State, um, there, I, New York State nursing homes are what I refer to as duly licensed or duly certified, um, meaning every bed can be paid for by Medicare, every bed can be paid for by Medicaid, Medicaid in addition to private um, pay or other insurance. Um, so why that's important, if um, an individual is admitted to a nursing home for a short-term rehab stay, um, if that individual exhausts their Medicare coverage or if it's terminated too early, um, if that individual 
individual still needs nursing home level of care, even if, even if it might be what we call custodial, they have the right to stay. However, what we see in practice are residents and their families are pressured to leave out either to go home too quickly without services and supports set up, which means often on times we see people um, through no fault of their own, um, they suffer from a fall or neglect, they go into the hospital and then they get sent to another nursing home. Um, we also see um, individuals in this situation where they're admitted for short-term rehab um, and Medicare is no longer paying, they're told, it's not, it's not safe for you to return to your community home yet. Um, you need long-term care. Um, you were admitted here for short-term rehab, and I'm sorry, but we don't have any long-term care beds available. But here's a list of nursing homes that have long-term care beds. Uh, that's inappropriate and illegal in New York State. Right. So what you're referring to is uh, payment discrimination, correct? I, I say yes. Yeah. And Whether or not they come out and put it that way, um, no. But in my, it's my position. It is. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't recall the exact number. Uh, I'm going to butcher the details of of the research, but I believe there is research out there that shows after maybe it's 22 days or after 32 days, there's a spike in in discharges among nursing home residents, and the rationale for that would be that that's when the Medicare is no longer uh, when, when the nursing home is no longer receiving Medicare payments, is that, uh, can you walk me through the, the mechanism at play there? Yeah, potentially. So um, if someone's on traditional Medicare, so Medicare Part A is covering their short-term rehab stay, so skilled nursing care, skilled therapy, combination. Um, after 20 days, there is a copay. Um, we see situations where individuals don't realize how quickly that daily copay comes up. So now we have a potential non-payment situation. We also see a situation, um, especially with Medicare Advantage plans as they raise in popularity and use of inappropriate um, coverage denials. So people who could still benefit from skilled therapy, for example, um, are being cut off inappropriately too early. And um, from what I've seen in the research and in practice, you are correct. It's about that 21 to 30 day mark that this happens. So you have the nursing home going, well, this person's not having a, a pay, make payment stream in here. Can we get this person um, home? They're telling uh, the resident and their family who are faced often for the first time this situation. So they had a fall or a medical situation they, in the community. They go to the hospital. They go to the nursing home for that short-term rehab. And now they're facing the, 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 the um, difficult decision of, well, Medicare is not paying for my stay. I don't want to pay the $10,000 plus a month to, to stay here or I don't want to apply for, for Medicaid. Why are they asking me for this? Yes, I want to go. So you have that, but you also have the nursing home kind of pushing you out. Why? Because Medicare overall pays more than Medicaid. So if it's unlikely the person's going to be able to a private pay for their stay, oh, you want to go home? That's what you want. You have family supports. Great, safe discharge in their mind. Yeah, so it, it I think what, what you just what you just said it, it's not it, the nursing home won't explicitly say we're kicking you out because we're going to get less money they'll they'll um, 
they'll nudge they'll nudge a, a resonant in that direction and have a uh, a, a rationale that may or may not be accurate or or, or valid, uh, such as as the one you just stated, right? Correct. And um, sometimes it is the case that it's a safe and appropriate at that time. They can receive um, physical therapy in the community, for example. They have family members able to help with meals. They're able to um, bring in aid services as appropriate. Um, so every situation is different, but it is suspicious when uh, you have studies coming out saying up, you know, around that 30-day mark, people are suddenly um, recovered to where it's safe to return to the community. Now there, are, I'm gonna throw a little quiz question at you. I have a feeling you'll, you'll ace it. There are six valid reasons for a dis discharge. I have them in front of me, so I'm, I'm cheating, but what are they? Uh, health has improved sufficiently, so you no longer need nursing home level of care. It's necessary because the resident's welfare is at risk and their needs cannot be met the facility. The health or safety of uh, the resident or others in the facility is endangered. Um, non-payment and facility closure. Okay, uh, I, think they, I think that's right. I'll, I'll, okay. I'll take your word, your, your okay. word for it. Um, I'm gonna have to cross check it with, with my notes. Um, so with the exception of these, these valid reasons, uh, we work closely with ombudsmen, we work closely with, with family members and, and with residents and, and their caregivers. Before this discharge, uh, these uh, inappropriate discharges or transfers happen, what can people do to uh, maybe uh, uh, plan ahead or, or prevent it from happening, or maybe see signs that this is going to happen? What suggestions do you have? The, the biggest one is participate in the uh, care plan meeting. Um, at the minimum, there have to be quarterly. Um, however, if a resident has questions or their family member have, have questions, they have the right to get those questions answered and it's often easiest to get them done at this type of meeting. Get the care plan and uh, uh, in writing from the nursing home right away, come prepared, tell them what right away, what your goals are at this meeting. My, so for example, my goal is to um, recover enough, for example, um, such that I can return to my community home. And from there, it puts the pressure on the nursing home to um, offer services as appropriate that are going to help the individual meet those goals. Um, when you don't have that specific con uh, conversation with relation to the, your end goal, which is, for example, to return to the community home, it's not going to be on the mind of the individual, but also the, the nursing home staff. So it's really on um, us as really consumers, so residents, families, and advocates to really make the individual's goals known from the beginning. Great. Now... Let's let's go with the um, the either the immediate yeah let's go with the immediate aftermath or or as it's happening what what can people do? Uh, if a couple of things so if you are being threatened with with discharge or or uh, being moved to a different um, nursing home or other location of your choice, 
they have to give you that um, a written notice. Um, and in New York, there's a new public health law that does afford slightly more written notice um, protections compared to the federal requirements. So for example, in New York, um, and facility initiated or involuntary discharges, you get 30 days written notice, for example, even when the reason is you no longer need the services of a nursing home. If you disagree with that in New York by law, in my interpretation of it, you get 30 days. Um, if individuals do not have a notice, they need to understand you don't have to move. Um, if they are still trying to pressure you to move, contact your state survey agency. So in New York State, call the Department of Health and say, I am being involuntary discharged and I would like to appeal that. Now, where does a, uh, where do ombudsmen come in and where does uh, CELJ? Yes, um, so, um, of course, uh, every state has to have an ombudsman program and under federal regulation, um, every nursing home is supposed to send um, copies of facility initiated discharge transfer notices to the program. So how the various programs across the country handle uh, these uh, received discharge notices is up to them. Um, in uh, our state, um, every program has been trained to um, review these notices, to spot check for potential issues, and then um, really dispatch an ombudsman to get a hold of that residence, ideally before the discharge or transfer has taken place, to see what's going on and to see what the, the resident would like. Um, so for example, um, out of the Buffalo area, when we're looking at the discharge notices um, as, as an ombudsman, as a program, um, they're looking at you know, is the proposed location of discharge another nursing home? If yes, that's a potential red flag for an inappropriate discharge. Why? Because again, in New York State, nursing homes are Medicare, Medicaid duly certified. So what we see in New York, for example, is um, we'll see discharges to another nursing homes for health improved. So yes, that's a valid reason to ask someone to leave. However, it's masking an inappropriate or illegal reason, which is, oh no, that person really needs long-term care and we don't want to keep them. Mm -hmm. And is there a, I know you're, you're limited in, term, with, with, in terms of uh, granting anonymity and, and without, without disclosing details, but is there an example you can think of where uh, where the uh, ombudsman program or or CELJ's work uh, mm -hmm. resulted in a, a in a much improved outcome, uh, and I'm not not necessarily with the nursing home being at fault, but where the system worked, where there was a, a communication with uh, with CELJ or with the ombudsman mm -hmm. that prevented a a bad outcome and led to a a good out outcome that you can um, can talk about. Uh, yeah, so we've had, un unfortunately, quite a few situations, um, but we also at CELJ have a very large um, elder abuse prevention unit. Um, so there was a situation in a local nursing home where a resident 
um, was being financially exploited by a family member. And as a result of that, um, his nursing home bill wasn't being paid. Um, so the ombudsman program received a copy of a 30-day notice for non-payment, um, met with the individual who still had capacity, thankfully, and uh, was having a conversation. Through conversation, um, red flags were raised about this family member taking this individual's money, which is why there was a bill. Um, through our partnership, the ombudsman uh, navigated the, the residents to our office where our elder abuse team and then our long-term care resident advocacy team worked in partnership with um, the, the ombudsman program to one, help the individual um, feel comfortable in taking steps needed to stop the financial exploitation, but also working with the nursing home to tell them this is what's going on. Um, this is what we're doing to um, remit to stop this. Um, maybe you do you really want to proceed with trying to transfer this individual across state to a sister facility for non-payment when the reason for non-payment is through no fault of this person's own? He's a victim. So that was a during the course of the pandemic, um, a really good story or results for, for that person. Right. Thanks. Thanks for bringing up that, that example. And, and I, I, I think that just shows, um, well, it's kind of worrisome because for every one of those, I imagine there's, there's many others that don't get caught, but it, it shows what's possible when people are um, communicating, when different groups are communicating and everybody's on, on, on the same, same page. So I'm glad you brought up that example. Uh, now I want to leave leave some time to talk about hockey. Um, but be, before we do any anything else, you want to bring up about um, any any other reports or projects in the work that you want to plug or, or share with CellJ? Um. Yes, we have uh, a lot um, coming up in 2023. We will be releasing um, reports on a couple of uh, nursing home operators. Um, we are going to continue our um, advocacy with New York State to um, implement uh, various uh, legislation, um, have various legislation be introduced to make impactful changes. Um, one of the um, policy items on our policy agenda is increasing the personal needs allowance in New York State, for example, from $50 to we're hoping for over $100 a month. Um, so we are going to continue um, fighting for the basic rights of persons living in nursing homes and other um, long-term care facilities. Is personal needs allowance as straightforward as it, as it sounds? Uh, because $50 does not seem like yeah. a, a lot. No, it is, is not a lot. And, um, and quite frankly, it's, it's ridiculous and it should be, uh, it, it needs to be changed. Um, so New York has been at uh, $50 in personal needs allowance a month since I believe 1981. And okay. for people don't know what that means is when you're in a nursing home and Medicaid is paying for, for your care at that nursing home, um, out of your income, you only get to keep $50 a month. So in 1981, that allowed you to have, say, a haircut, go out to dinner with uh, uh, outings, buy your grandchildren cards for their birthdays. Now, what does $50 doesn't get you far. You have other states like Alaska, 
their personal needs allowance is $200. Um, New York, I believe, is ranked 30th in the country at $50 a month. Um, at the some of some states, unfortunately, follow the bare the federal minimum, which I believe is 30. So we're not the worst, but really, you have people who are living in a nursing home setting, not always the best place. Um, they can't necessarily afford um, you know, personal items such as like their favorite lotions, um, new clothing, books, internet, tablets to communicate, cell phones. All, all they get are $50 a month. And that's pretty embarrassing for, for our country, quite frankly. Yeah, yeah, that, that seems, that seems yeah. incredibly low. We're gonna close the interview with our guest uh, recommendations. And uh, for those of you that, uh, that are familiar with the show, we asked our guests to recommend one item uh, that is long-term care related. This can be a book, a movie, an article, a website. And then we'll ask for one thing that's not long-term care related. Okay. Uh, so what do you got that's long-term care related? Can it's, I it's, plug our Elder Law Learn? I am so yes, sorry. Yes, you would plug be away, very plug upset away. with me if we didn't plug Elder Law Learn. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so one of the things uh, we, we uh, have worked on and are going to continue with um, on our YouTube page, Elder Law Learn, are um, brief 10-minute uh, videos or less on um, nursing home resident rights. So if you, anyone wants a, a brief overview about their rights as a nursing home resident, how to, where to go for when there's a concern, how to pay for long-term care, um, discharge transfer rights, for example, um, I do encourage um, individuals, um, residents, families, um, and other supporters to, to go there straightforward not legalese, and um, I hope people watch. Great. Well, we'll link to that in our in our show notes. And uh, what do you got for non-long-term care? Do whatever makes you happy and is a stress relief. So for me, um, I fall is my favorite season. I love to get outside and hike. So whatever people choose to do to really bring joy to, to their life, just go do it. Life's too short. That's good. And I'm going to, uh, this is a bit of a uh, obvious uh, follow-up, but uh, Lindsay apparently plays hockey, uh, what, four, four, five times, four <laughs> times a week. Uh, would that fall under the category of, of stress relief uh, and doing, doing what you like? And uh, let's talk a little bit more about that. Uh, yes. Um, so being from upstate New York, I um, play ice hockey. Uh, we're not Canada, but we are close to, to Canada. So um, in western New York and upstate, uh, we are in general really big hockey fans. Um, so I played youth hockey um, through college and um, now I play four times a week in local um, bar leagues and uh, in tournaments across the Northeast. And it's such a great outlet. Okay, and then if we're if we're to talk about that as a stress relief, uh, you're also a Buffalo Sabers fan, and I don't know if this is stress relief because they haven't made the playoffs in uh, since I think 2011. So part part one of this question is: Do they add add stress or or subtract stress from your life? And and part two is: Is this is this going to the year they're going to break the 10 year 
playoff drought. <laughs> Some games they add stress, other games they relieve the stress. Um, but they have really been improving over the past few years. So I'm hoping, I'm thinking that this is the year they make it to the playoffs. So okay. they're going to be a fun team to watch. Great. Lindsay, thanks for coming on the, the podcast. Great. Thanks for having me.